Transcend for Good has unique perspective and works with nonprofit clients at an inflection point. Join the leadership team at Transcend for Good, Elizabeth Thompson, Chairman and CEO, and Christine Doctor, President, as they share quick and meaningful conversations and their approach to the biggest challenges and opportunities facing nonprofit leaders today. Hi, and welcome to Elevate with the Experts. I'm Chris Doctor, and I'm joined today by my business partner, Elizabeth Thompson. Today, our quick and informative conversation will be on the leadership topic, self-awareness and leadership blind spots. At the time of this recording, the COVID-19 crisis is causing our businesses to shift and swirl in ways we may have never imagined. We would like to take 10 minutes with you to help you build some emotional intelligence around this topic and provide practical tips for you to think about. From our combined 50 years of leadership and both experiencing crisis in many forms, we hope you will take away a few key ideas. So a person can have blind spots in any part of their life, and trust me, we all have them. But for business, we love John Maxwell's definition, which is a blind spot is an area in someone's life in which he or she continually fails to see himself or herself or the situation realistically. This unawareness often causes great damage to the person and those around him or her. And John continues, it affects so many people more than the leader themselves. It can be a far reaching impact on the leader, his or her followers, and the entire team, department, or organization. A blind spot may be viewed as a weakness by others. So as leaders, we need to become exceptionally self-aware. Every team deserves a self-aware leader. So Liz, let's take a look at our top three leadership blind spots and provide a few examples so that our listener can see if they identify with any of these areas. But don't worry, we'll also provide some great tips to help you as a leader get better at spotting your own blind spots and then acting on these areas to turn them around to not only serve you better, but also your organization. Our first one, the I know attitude, which is placing more value on being right than learning from others. As leaders, we're expected to be decisive. However, being decisive without considering the input or advice of smart people on your team, your board, or your constituents is a recipe for disaster. As a leader, you've done the work possibly made sacrifices of personal or family time, traveled more than you probably wanted, and certainly putting many, many long days, nights, and weekends. However, despite these well-earned stripes, you can still learn every day from the people around you. Here are a few tips. Number one, develop authentic relationships with the people who matter most. Ensure that you seek input from your team, relevant thought leaders, and key stakeholders on significant matters so that your decision-making has input from multiple perspectives. Decision-making in silo is never a good decision. Number two, don't pay lip service to input. Listen, respond, show gratitude, Acknowledge innovation and thoughtfulness. Put resources and time into ideas with merit. But don't be the leader who always must seek input from everyone as this practice doesn't allow for you to be nimble or to act decisively when you need to. It's a careful balance 
that you need to evaluate and determine based on every unique situation. And number three, this quote by Pastor Andy Stanley summarizes this concept. Leaders who refuse to listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. Don't be that leader. Yes, I love that advice. I love it. So on to our second blind spot, taking too long to fire. So let's look at this one from the standpoint of both a new leader as well as someone who has been in a leadership position for a few years. First of all, we have all been there as a new leader. You begin in your new role, and unless you're starting a brand new unit or department, you will inherit some staff. So let's talk about why we often wait to transition staff who are no longer bringing value or possibly don't have the skill set required to do their job. Is it because we are just too timid to make a mistake since we're new or take an action we might regret later? Or maybe it is perhaps we are dealing with uh, the imposter syndrome as a new leader and just getting used to our role. But we have to remember that you have been hired because you have the ability and the skills to lead. So you need to embrace the role. And as a new leader, how do you come up to speed quickly in order to assess the situation and make these kinds of decisions? So we recommend the following two-step protocol, which, which we call assess and act. So first, let's look at the assessment piece of it. When you begin in your position, you will be meeting with each team member to understand what their job requires, their current challenges, and interdependencies of other team members, their success and their pain points, along with a lot of other issues. If there are past performance reviews, you will have a baseline as well as a roadmap for discussion. As you move through the process, you'll get a beat on how the team works now and in your mind, how they could be working. We found that it becomes apparent relatively early on in these conversations and as you gain trust that you will see and learn trends from your team. From these trends, for example, lack of performance, redundancy or complexity in systems or processes, those people who are missing deadlines or perhaps people will share who is a difficult personality, sacred practices and comments like, this is how we do it, but I'm not really sure why we do it this way. These things will become glaring to you. The glaring challenges will begin to point to employees that will require a plan. An organizational restructure can provide one possible solution or creating individual performance plans is another solution. So number two in the two-step process is act. Once you've determined your direction, don't wait, act, but act with respect, logic, and don't make it personal. Leadership requires courage, and in many cases, poor performers have never been addressed, and you have inherited a long-term situation. So Liz, do you have any thoughts about the correct length of time as a new leader to make some of these hard changes? Thanks, Chris, for asking that. I would say because nonprofit businesses are so varied, there isn't a hard and fast rule. In our coaching business, we coach clients to treat the first 100 days as the data collection and assessment phase in order to validate their direction. And we have a great book that we love to refer people to. It's called The First 90 Days. As you become more familiar with the organizational landscape and build relationships with key stakeholders, you'll be able to validate any initial concerns. After that first 90 days, 
it is okay to act on the first wave of change, which could include transitioning some employees out of their roles and adjusting others. Trust us, there will be waves of change in your first year of leadership. Absolutely. So can you speak to the seasoned leader who takes too long to fire? Absolutely. And let's face it, we've all been there. As leaders, we're pulled in a hundred different directions and are in problem-solving mode all day long. Often the energy to address a problem employee or employees may seem overwhelming or the last priority. The truth is, if you don't act, the situation gets worse. As a leader, you need to be intentional about the organizational culture you create and foster. Your team is smart, and they'll see a low-performing or problem employee not being addressed, which will erode their confidence in your leadership, and you simply can't let that happen. Hopefully, as a leader, for a few years, you've established performance metrics and a review protocol that will bolster your action. If you have an HR department, engage their help immediately. If you don't, ensure that there is clear documentation and communication of the poor performance, which shows that the supervisor, manager, or you has had discussions with the employee regarding their ongoing performance issues. Documents should include, but are simply not limited to, the dates, times, and topics of disciplinary conversations, the warnings given, and examples of performance issues. Or, and I want to highlight this, if these are really high-level people, direct reports to you, it may not be only performance issues. It may be culture issues. Are they rude to other members of the executive committee? Are they, do they make people on their team cry? Maybe they deliver for you in terms of performance, but culturally they're really going against the new culture that you want to develop and foster. Make sure that you're recording and reporting those culture and performance things the day that they happen and try to ascribe back even to the hour if you can. Documentation and clear communication ensures that the employee is not surprised by the termination. Chris and I have both found in our careers that the act of developing a performance improvement plan sends a clear message to the employee and often the employee will leave on their own. Yeah, that does happen. I love your advice about the culture, too. That's a nuance that is really important as a new leader that you you pay attention to that because it, it will erode the culture you're trying to build. So I've also found that some employees are really relieved to move through to their next thing after the initial shock and embarrassment of the confrontation about their low performance. No one wants to be miserable at their work, but a lot of times people do get stuck. So being a leader is also about not making it personal and approaching the process with kindness and respect. So let's go to our number three on the list, knowing your weaknesses. So before we do that, Chris, I just want to tag on to that last comment that you made. I sure. Fortunately or unfortunately in my career, I think I've separated more than 100 people from different roles. And a number of times at the end of that, because we've moved through the process with respect, with kindness, with intentionality, people have 
stood up from the table, both of us with tears in our eyes, hugged me and said, thank you for doing that. And a week or two weeks, sometimes a month later, they write or call me or text me to say, I have the job of my dream. This change helped me see where I needed to go in my professional life. And I really use that as an opportunity. Thank you for helping me on my way. That's and awesome. So, I, yeah, great. Again, as a leader, I think it's really important to remember that your responsibility is to your organization and to the role that you have. Sometimes you do need to develop people. They have innate skills or talents that maybe a previous leader hadn't worked with. But you also may be helping them on to their next great thing. So remember that. Okay, number three, awareness in this area is such a great exercise. As leaders, we are confident in our strengths, primarily because either we've had success or other people acknowledge these behaviors to us. However, a truly self-aware leader understands their weaknesses and acts accordingly. What I mean by that is that we must be humble enough to know that we aren't gifted in all areas. Check that ego. <laughs> Understanding our deficits enables us to invite others around us to shine. Building trust and confidence in your team will enable you to achieve your organizational goals while demonstrating that teamwork is valued in your organization. Admitting your weaknesses does not diminish your strengths. It shows your courage. I agree. I agree. It takes courage to be vulnerable and it humanizes you to your team. So we've covered three blind spots in the last few minutes. The I know attitude, placing more value in being right than learning from others, taking too long to fire, and knowing your weaknesses. There are many more blind spots like avoiding conflict, underestimating how much time and effort it'll take your team to complete projects, decision making based on emotion versus data, Plain favorites, I've been accused of that many times. I try not to, but <laughs> tolerating good enough and indecision. So, Liz, let's finish up our quick conversation today. How would you advise our listener to start to become more self-aware to their own blind spots? I would encourage our listener to strengthen their emotional intelligence. About 20 years ago, Daniel Goleman rocked our world with his theory that emotional intelligence was as or more important to success than intellectual intelligence. There are really five key components, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Building capacity in this area gives you a head start to identify potential blind spots. Number two, surround yourself with diverse thinkers with the intention of learning from them. Their perspectives will open your mind to new ways of problem solving and help you identify your potential blind spots. Number three, seek out a wise colleague, past or present coworker that you trust and ask them to hold you accountable to behavioral change. Chris, I'm so thankful to you for that. I really am a daily basis. And number four, identify and know your patterns. Recall times of success and failure. What's consistent or different? And number five, identify and know your triggers. 
Does stress, the lack of sleep, or a sassy, back-talking employee trigger a behavior that you would classify as a blind spot? Triggers can be tricky, but once you know what they are, your confidence in identifying your blind spots will increase significantly. Knowing your blind spots builds your capacity as a leader. See them as opportunities for growth. Remember, leadership is a lifelong journey. Thanks, Liz. For our listener, we hope these concepts and detailed suggestions really have inspired you to act. We will also have some great links in this podcast post where you can find additional information as you build your capacity for self-awareness and understanding your unique blind spots. Thanks for spending time with us today. Until next time. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to learn more about working with Liz and Chris or have a subject area that you'd like to see covered on a future episode, visit transcendforgood.com. We look forward to learning more about your unique situation and how we can help.